with me over here and understanding the importance of supporting what our sister churches are doing as well as promoting unity and, and understanding that any opportunity to worship God is just a great time anyway. So thank you, Eastern Star, for coming and for your support. And Heartland, thank you for the invitation uh, to come and be a part of your first conference as, uh, again, you put God first in your life uh, for this year as we move forward. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your house of prayer one more time for how you have kept us and watched over us. Thank you for the mercy and the grace that you have extended to us and for this opportunity to come and worship you in spirit and in truth. We don't take this for granted. We know that you have blessed us. Now allow your word to go forth and accomplish your will. I pray somebody's going to be saved. Some life is going to be changed. Some burden is going to be lifted. Victory shall be received, and I'm believing it done right now in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There's a word from the Lord in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 24. I'm only going to read a few of these verses in your own private time with God. Read all of chapter 32 that make up the context of what I know the Lord would have for me to share with you on today. Genesis chapter 32, beginning with the 24th verse. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Listen to what God's word says. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Amen. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. I want to preach about wrestling with God, wrestling with God. And as crazy and as insane as that sounds, there are some of us who are even present here on tonight who spend our time trying to wrestle with God. When when God first introduces himself to Moses, he calls Moses, tell him to go back to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He said, when you talk to the Israelites, tell them that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is something unique about the relationship that God had with these three patriarchs that give us some insight into the character, the nature and the reality as to who God is. So we learn something from the relationship that God had with Abraham. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of the faithful, the God who rewards the faithful, the God who leads and directs the faithful. We learn something from that relationship. He says, I'm the God of Isaac who digs wells and redigs wells, who 
I'm that God that helps you to handle your haters and to overcome opposition and your enemies. I'm the God that helps you to prosper even in a bad economic downturn. So we learn something from the relationship that God had with, with Isaac. We get some reality as to who God is. But he also said, I'm the God of Jacob. Now, the thing about Jacob is that Jacob is, his name literally means surplanter. He's a, he's a manipulator. He's a trickster. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's a deceiver. And watch what God says. I am the God of Jacob. Now, I can understand why God would be the God of a man like Abraham, father of the faithful, leaving wherever he had to go, looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I understand that, sacrificing his son and doing whatever God asked him to do out of obedience. I understand God being the God of a man like Abraham. I understand God being a, a, a God of a man like Isaac digging wells and redigging wells and working hard and, and, and being a blessing to others and prospering even in difficult times. I understand him being a God of a man like Isaac. But for the life of me, I could not understand how God could be the God of a manipulator like Jacob, of a liar like Jacob, of a thief like Jacob, of somebody who exploits others like Jacob. How could God be the God of a cheater like Jacob? But yet he says, I'm the God of Jacob. And then the Holy Spirit revealed unto me that if anyone needed a God, Jacob sure did need one. So we can learn something from the relationship that God had with a manipulator like Jacob. I'm the God of Jacob. Well, what is it that we learn about God? What's the insight that we gather about the characteristics, the attributes, the actions of God in his relationship with somebody like Jacob? Well, one thing we learn is that God will never give up on you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care who you slept with, what you drank, what you snorted, the lifestyle you live. We serve a God that will not give up on you. God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God, and he won't give up on you. And we learn that from the relationship that he had with Jacob. See, because when I read to you in, in chapter 32, and, and Jacob, he wrestles with God, and, and now he has this relationship with God and all of that. He gets it right with the Lord. But this is not Jacob's first encounter with God. Jacob had run into God at other times. But, but, but here's the thing about that. Wherever Jacob was going, God would always position himself from wherever Jacob was leaving to wherever Jacob was going so that Jacob would have to run into God. I mean, because Jacob was a man on the move. You can't be a liar and a cheater and manipulator and stay in one place a long time. Jacob lied with his mother. He lied to his father. He lied on his brother. And we see him running out of his father's bedroom after stealing his brother's birthright. Then we see him running from Esau, his twin brother, that wanted to beat down Jacob. Then we see him running to Uncle Leban's house. Then he falls out with Uncle Leban, and he's running from Uncle Leban's house. But wherever Jacob was running, God would always position himself between where Jacob was leaving, where Jacob was going, so that Jacob has to run into God. 
because most folk don't get it right on the first try. See, most of us who try to act so holy and so righteous and so pure and try to look down on other folk because of where they are or are not with God, we don't want to tell you we didn't get it right on the first try. Most folk don't. I mean, that's, that's why when you, when you see Jacob uh, in chapter 28, Jacob is running from his brother and he finds himself in the darkness. He's, he's got a checkered past and an uncertain future and a messed up present. And he lays down and he takes a rock for a pillow. And you know that's hard times when you got a rock for a pillow. And in the midst of his hard times, as Jacob slept, he had a dream. And he had a dream of this ladder that reached up to heaven and rested on earth and angels were coming and going. And, and that's when he had that encounter with God. And even then, Jacob tried to manipulate God. He tried to get into a bargaining agreement with God because most folk don't get it right on the first try. But, but God never gave up on Jacob. Even in the New Testament, you look at somebody like Peter and, and those of us who are frequent Bible readers, when, when we read about Peter in Luke chapter 5, he had uh, fished all night long and hadn't caught a thing, and now he's cleaning his nets, and Jesus gets in his boat, and Peter pushes him out, and then uh, Peter casts your net on the other side. Peter gets all this fish, and then he leaves the fish, the boats, the nets, and all of that and follows Jesus. But that was not his first encounter with Jesus. Because remember, Jesus was in the synagogue that one day and Peter was there in the house of God. And that man had an evil spirit in him and Jesus cast that spirit out. That was that was Peter's first encounter with Jesus. It was in the house of God. And then Jesus went home with Peter and healed Peter's mother-in-law's fever. That was another encounter with Jesus at home. Then by the time you get to Luke 5, Peter's at work and runs into Jesus again. Because God will not give up on you. If you didn't get it right the first time, if you didn't get it right the second time, God keeps on coming until you finally understand the importance of having him in your life. And that's what God has been doing in somebody's life tonight. He keeps showing up in your home, keeps showing up on your job, keeps running into somebody that tells you about Jesus, keeps running in to another person that reminds you of how much God loves you and what God wants to do for you. Because the Lord, we learned that from Jacob, that God won't give up on you. Somebody said God is able to do all that he said he'd do. He's going to fulfill all his promises to you. Don't give up on God. Because he won't give up on you. He's able. And that's what God does. That's what we learn from this thug, from this manipulator, Jacob, that, that God will not give up on you. I learned that when, when we first, when these GPSs first came out. Uh, I don't know what we did before we got GPS. I guess we got lost before we got GPS. But when, I, when GPS first came out, that's one of the reasons I, I bought the car that I had bought. And uh, it had a, a GPS in it. And so when I first got the car, you know, a GPS is like a, a computer inside your car. You input the destination you want to go when whatever that address is or whatever that place is. And then the car begins to, to give you directions on how to get there. Prepare to turn right in 900 feet. Prepare to turn right in 500 feet. Prepare to turn right in 200 feet. Turn right now. You can't get lost with a GPS, right? And when I first got it, I decided that I was going to make wrong turns on purpose because I wanted to see what this GPS could do. 
So it said turn right at 500 feet, prepare to turn right at 200 feet. Turn right now. I turn left. It would tell me to go to, to continue to move forward. I would turn anyway. It would tell me to turn right. I go straight. I kept doing what the car, opposite of what the car was telling me to do. And I noticed something about the car, that when I would make wrong turns, the car would then reroute me. It would say something like, prepare to make a U-turn as soon as possible. It would keep rerouting me even as I made wrong turns. And I learned something with that GPS. It would not stop talking to me until I got to my final destination. And God said, now, if your car will do you like that, how much more shall Christ do you? Anybody here know the Lord keeps talking to you, went the wrong way, hung out with the wrong people, did the wrong thing, but God never gives up on you. Wait a minute. We learned something else from this relationship. I'm the God of Isaac or or Jacob. What do we learn from this? We learn that God blesses you on the level that you're on. Some people try to make you think you got to be some super Christian, some super spiritual person, a person that never messes up, never makes a mistake, never does anything wrong, never misses God. And if you don't do that, you can't get blessed. Jacob says, "That's no, that's not the kind of God we're talking about. God said, I'm the God of Jacob. I will bless you on the level that you're on. Matter of fact, that text I read to you uh, right here in in Genesis 32, this is actually God coming down to where Jacob is. Jacob didn't go up to heaven to wrestle with God. God came down from heaven to where Jacob was, and he met him right in the wilderness, right where he was. And that dream that that I told you about in Genesis 28, where that ladder reached up to heaven and rested on earth and angels were coming and going. Caesar Clark said the angels were going up, taking prayers and coming down, bringing blessings, going up, taking prayers and coming down, bringing healing, going up, taking prayers and coming down, bringing deliverance. But notice it was not Jacob going up to heaven. It was God coming down from heaven, bringing the blessing right to where Jacob was. I love that about God. That when I can't get to him, he can still get to me. And he blesses you right on the level that you're on. You can't be so low down. You can't be so low life. You cannot stray so far. God knows who you are. God knows where you are. And God shows up and blesses you right where you are. Now, see, the super saints don't like that. Super spiritual people don't like it when I talk about that. Because they tell you, if you're not obedient, then God won't bless you. Then where is mercy? Where is grace? That, that means I have merited everything I got. And I'm telling you right now, I have not merited everything I have. I have missed God, and there are other times I didn't miss him because I wasn't even aiming for him. But God still showed up and blessed me on the level. And y'all ain't got to look at me all holy either. Because I know that there's some others in here who've made mistakes and did wrong, but the mercy of God still found you. The grace of God still showed up because God blesses you on the level that you're on. But now I, I will say this, God will bless you on the level you own. No matter how low you are, he'll come down because, uh, in, what is it, Psalm 139, if I ascend into heaven, he's right there. If I make my bed in hell, 
He's right there. No matter how high I go or how low I go, God can find me and give me what I need. But I do, I will agree with the super saints on this. God will bless you on the level you own, but there are some blessings you can't get without obedience. There, there are some places God won't take you. There, there are some next level blessings that you cannot get to when you low down. There are some next level blessings that you cannot get to when you are low life. Even with your children, some places you won't take them because you don't know how to sit still. You don't know how to shut your mouth. You don't know how to be respectful, so you don't get to go. Well, if we being evil know how to treat our children, how much more shall our heavenly father? There are some next level blessings that you can only get out of obedience. So in the, so somebody's thinking, you know what? God has blessed me. God has taken care of me, even though I messed up and all of that. But I'm telling you, there's some stuff you missing out on until you learn how to submit to God. Now, I, I will say this. People don't like me to talk like that because they say, well, all you're doing is inspiring people to do wrong. No, the Bible says that the goodness of God leads a person to repentance. When I understand the grace and the mercy of God in my life, it does not inspire me to go do wrong. It gives me the incentive to do right because God has been so good to me that I want to respond with faithfulness and obedience. And I know that there's some next level, next level blessings I can't get to. Unless I learn how to obey and submit to God. There's a, a, a young man named Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark is a safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Pittsburgh Steelers, every year, have one of the best defenses in the league. Last year, they went like 12-4, and four, made it to the playoffs and all of that. But when they made it to the playoffs, they, they had to go to Denver to play. Ryan Clark plays for Pittsburgh. They had to go to Denver, Colorado to play. And um, as they went, they left Ryan Clark at home. He couldn't make the trip, even though he's the starting safety, because Ryan Clark has sickle cell anemia. There's something not quite right with the cells in his body. They are sickle-shaped. That's why they call it sickle cell. It's, um, his, his cells are, are crooked. They, his cells have a twist to it they're not supposed to have. And because he has sickle cell anemia, he couldn't go to Denver because of the altitude, because of how high Denver is. So even though Ryan Clark had done well as a as starting safety, he couldn't go to the next level of the playoffs because he's got sickle cell anemia. The last time he tried to go there, he had to be rushed to the hospital and have his spleen removed. So this year he couldn't go. And the reason, I mean, he did well. They went 12 and 4. That's a lot of victories on the level he was on. But the, the, the altitude is so high in Denver that he couldn't get that high because there's something crooked in him. There's something twisted on the inside. So when they got ready to go to the next level, they left Ryan Clark at home. And I'm mighty afraid that that's what's happening to some of us when God wants to take us to another level, when God wants to do some next-level ministry and some next-level living. And God says, but I can't take you, Jeffrey Johnson, because there's too much crookedness in you. But I got some good news for you. God is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God that heals, and he can heal you spiritually. So if there's anything crooked inside of you, anybody know God can straighten you up? God can clean you up? God can work it out even on the inside? side. What is it that we learn from this relationship with Jacob? I'm the God of Jacob. 
I will bless, I will always, I will not give up on you. And I will bless you on the level you're on. But one more thing, that when you understand he's the God of Jacob, then you know he is the God that can transform your life. That's what we learn about the Lord, that he's the God that can change you. The thing about Christianity is that you come as you are, but you don't have to stay as you are. You come just as you are, but, but when you accept Jesus Christ, he has a way of changing you. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are not the same when you put your faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit moves on the inside and begins to make you all over again. He changes you. He transforms your life because he's the God of Jacob. Jacob did not stay the same because the Lord changed him. And, and I know the Lord changed him because after this experience that Jacob had with God, his walk was not the same. Because I read it to you. He's wrestling. And I know some of you are wondering, well, it says he wrestled with a man. This is not an ordinary man here. This is, this is what theologians call a theophany. It, it, is, it is God showing up in human form, a theophany, because God is a spirit. That's why Jesus said when you worship him, you got to worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. But what does that mean? He's a spirit. We can't identify with spirit. We can't understand spirit. And so God says, here's what I'm going to do. Since you can't identify spirit and understand spirit, I'm going to show up in a form that you can understand me and identify with me. He shows up like a man. So he shows up with eyes and ears and nose and hands and feet. Then we can identify with that. So this is not an ordinary man. And I know some say it's an angel. Some say it's the foreshadow of Christ coming and all. But this is literally God showing up. Now, now, now he looks like a man, but it's God. And so Jacob begins to wrestle with who he thinks is a man, but it's not a man. He's wrestling with God, though he thinks it's a man. The wrestle and the struggle and the striving and the straining is with God. Jacob just thinks it's a man. Preacher, why do you keep saying that? Because somebody in here tonight, the struggles you're having, you think is with a man. It's really with God. So you think it's your husband, you think it's your wife, you think it's your co-worker, you think it's your supervisor. No, you are wrestling with God. You just think it's with a man because God is seeking to change you. There is something about you that God wants to change. God wants to make different. God wants to transform. And he changes Jacob's walk. Because here it is, God breaks Jacob's hip. And when he broke his hip, the text says, from that point on, Jacob walked with a limp. So here, here, this is 20 years after running from his father's house and running from his brother all that time with Levin. And now he's coming back home, hopefully to reconcile with his brother. But he doesn't know what his brother's going to say, how his brother's going to treat him and all of that. And he meets God out in this wilderness and he wrestles with him and God breaks his hip. And now Jacob doesn't walk the same, but he's going home to see his, I could only imagine his brother and his mother, 
seeing Jacob from a distance coming home. Is that him? Is that Jacob? And I can hear the brother saying, Esau says, well, it looks like him, but it can't be him because it don't walk like him. Because when Jacob left here 20 years ago, he wasn't walking like that. So it looks like him, but the, walk, but the closer they got, he realized it must be Jacob, even though he's got a different walk. And Jacob's testimony is, the reason I don't walk like I used to walk is because I ran into God. And I know I got some witnesses in here somewhere. You don't walk the way you used to walk because you ran into God. When I was a kid... They used to say, I looked at my hands and my hands looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. He gave me a new way of walking and a new way of talking because I serve a God that'll change you. And y'all ain't got to say amen. I say amen for myself because I'm not what I used to be because God has changed me through the power of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. He, he, he changed him, but it was Jacob's surrender that brought him his success broke that hip, Jacob began to hold on. It's the surrender that brought him his success. I wonder who I'm preaching to. It's time for you to stop struggling with God. Time for you to stop straining with God. Time for you to stop striving and all of that and just go on and surrender. God, whatever you want me to be, I'll be it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to live, I'll live. However you want me to minister, I'll do that. I surrender to you. Because here's what you got to understand. We learn this from this relationship God had with Jacob, that sometimes God has got to break you to bless you. He broke his hip. And if you're not careful, you'll think God is mean. And something is wrong with God. Why would God break him like? Because that was the only way to get this type of blessing to Jacob. I got to break you in order to bless you. And that's what somebody you've been going through. You thought God had forsaken. You thought God had left you. You thought God had turned his back on you. No, God says, I got to break you to bless you. All right, let me prove my point. I was here on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, I sat right over there, my family and I, and we came in worship. And Pastor Darren spoke a great word to remind us as to what Christmas is all about. Outside of A. Lewis Patterson Jr. of Houston, I've never heard anybody speak a word on Joseph in the New Testament. And I believe that that is a trick of the enemy to keep us from seeing what a real man looks like. Because when God got ready to bring his son into the world, he didn't put him in Joseph's house by mistake. He wanted Joseph to see this real model of manhood. And we never talk about that. But Pastor Darren talked about that and what it meant for Joseph to call Jesus, Jesus. Now, that, that, was, that was a powerful thing. It had to have faith because you shall call his name Jesus. God, the angel was talking to Joseph. What does it take for Joseph to call him Jesus? Faith, belief, hope, all of that that goes into that courage. I, I, I believe this is the son of God. That's why he called him Jesus. And as I sat in here, when we came in, uh, Heartland, y'all passed out these little lights. Everybody came in and got a light. And at the end of the service, y'all dimmed all the lights. And, and everybody had a light in their hand. And, he, and, and Pastor said, well, everybody hold your light. We're going to sing this last song. Everybody hold your light up. And, and I, I, I've always had issues getting that little light. Because when I was a kid, we had candles. They lit candles. And we, so it was, I, I've always had issues. So I'm the only one in darkness not shining. 
And my son, KJ, said, Daddy, give it here. And I gave it to him, and KJ broke it and shook it and said, Daddy, you got to break it and shake it before you can shine it. And that's what I'm telling you that God has been doing in somebody's life. God has not forsaken you. God has not left you. He's got to break you and shake you in order for you to shine at the level you need to shine. Because we serve a God that will change you. He doesn't just change your walk. He changes your name. And he wrestles with this angel. He wrestles with God. And, 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 and God, says, God says, what is your name? And because you understand something about names, names to the Hebrew people were indicators of character, nature and destiny. What is your name? What is your character? What is your nature? Who are you? What are you all about? What's your destiny? And Jacob said, my name is Jacob. God said, your name is no longer Jacob. I'm ready to change your character. I'm going to change your nature. I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change who you are. You are no longer Jacob, but now you are Israel. Israel means one who strives with God and succeeds. You no longer Jacob, surplanter, manipulator, trickster, liar, schemer, thief, robber. But now you're Israel, one who strives with God and succeeds. Now notice before the name, because I'm trying to tell you God to change your character. God to change who you are. But before he changes you, you got to admit who you are. What is your name? So he said, my name is Jacob. He said, your name is no longer Jacob. Is it? That's how he could change this time. Because last time somebody asked him what was his name, he said, my name is Esau. He lied about who he was and went 20 years in the wrong direction. But this time when they asked, what is your name? He said, my name is manipulator. My name is liar. My name is thief. My name is robber. My name is schemer. And God says, I can handle all of that. From now on, you are named Israel, one who strives with God. All I'm trying to tell you is, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is your name? I'm liar. What is your name? I'm fornicator. What is your name? I'm adulterer. What is your name? I'm cheater. God can handle that. He'll wash you and cleanse you and give you another name. Do I have a witness in here? Wait a minute. Ah. very next verse, he said, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is here. Very next verse, it says, then Jacob. Wait a minute. I thought he had a name change. Even the editor, even the writer kept calling him Jacob. Because even after God changes your name, there's some folk that won't believe it. They'll keep trying to make you think you are what you used to be. But you know who you are. See, God will change your name in the nighttime. But it'll take a lifetime to prove he changed your name. So even though they calling you what you used to be, you just walk in the new name that God has given you and walk in the new walk that God has given. Let me close it like this. Because somebody's been struggling and you've been straining and you've been wrestling and all of that. If you somehow think God has given up or you, God has it. Your pastor and I had an interesting conversation today. And we talked about how, how crisis builds character how calamity deals with with the developing of character in a person, how the struggles of life bring strength. So when you find all these weak peoples because they don't want to go through nothing, 
because it's, it's the struggle that builds the strength. God has not forgotten you. God is seeking to strengthen you. Uh, loggerhead turtles, I close with that. Loggerhead turtle. I saw this on, on YouTube, these loggerhead turtles. Loggerhead turtles can get as big as 300 pounds. And, uh, and when a loggerhead turtle, when a mother gets ready to, to have her baby, she comes out of the water and she goes a distance from the water and, and the loggerhead turtle mother digs a hole in the sand and then she lays her eggs in the sand and then she covers those eggs up and she goes back and gets in the water and uh, as big as as they are they I mean in the water they can maneuver and do their thing and so when the eggs begin to hatch it's like seven or eight of them that are that are in there and and they're gonna get to be 300 pounds but they only start off like seven eight ounces and now they got to dig because they, they're born in a hole. And they got to dig their way out of a hole, but they don't have hands like you and I. They got flaps, so this is not easy. And they're straining and struggling, trying to dig their way out of that hole. And when they finally get out of the hole, then the loggerhead turtles got to go from where they are to the water over there, to the ocean. And, and it's, it's a difficult maneuver for them because they don't have feet like you and I. They got flaps, and so it's a difficult maneuver through the sand. And it's, you could tell they're struggling and straining trying to get there. And if you and I are not careful, we would think we're doing the loggerhead baby turtles a favor by picking them up and carrying them to the water and putting them in the water because it's a shame they born in a hole like this. And it's a shame they got to struggle like this. So we'll pick them up and take them in the water, and the thing about it, they'll die never having swam. Because they won't be strong enough to even maneuver once they get to their destination. Because it is the strain and the struggle of coming out of the hole that strengthens their flaps. And it's the strain and the struggle of coming across the sand that strengthens their flaps. So by the time they get to their destination, they're strong enough to maneuver in the element that God has for them. That's why I'm trying to tell you. You're wondering why won't God just pick you up out of your troubles and carry you to your destination because you wouldn't have the character to stay there and the strength to handle it once you got there. So God says, I'm going to let you struggle. I know you've been born in a hole. I know your parents didn't do you right. I know you had the stress and strain, but I'm going to let you struggle. So when you get there, you have some strength. Here's what we used to say when I was a kid. I thank God for my mountains. And I thank him for my valleys. I thank him for all he's brought me through. Because if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in his word could do. But through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I learned to trust in God. Through it all, I learned to depend on his name. There are many levels that God wants to take you to in 2013, and I know you want to go there, and you're not going to get there without dealing with your heart. That's why I've been saying for so many days, open up your heart to God and hold nothing back. And why don't you just stay standing for just a moment because we're going to close this service. But I want to give an opportunity for some people to respond tonight. You are not here by accident. You didn't walk in just because it was 
uh, something to do or somebody invited you, God called you here tonight and he's calling you by name. And as you were hearing God speak tonight, you know that he was talking to me. This is God speaking to me tonight. And he wants to deal with an honest heart, an open heart. And you can count on the mercy of God. And it is the kindness of God and the, the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. And you're in an environment where no one is going to look down on you. And no one is going to judge you because we've all been there. But tonight, if you will respond and you will say humbly, Lord, you know my name. You know what I've been through. You know what I've done wrong, and I know it too. But tonight, I'm wanting to make a change. Tonight, I want to go in a different direction. And I want to come out of this hole, and I want to live for you in 2013. I know I'm talking to somebody. So we're going to sing together. And as we sing, just as we start to sing, I don't want anybody moving for just a second. I want you to hear me. Just as we start to sing, if God spoke to you, I want you to have the courage to just step out from the aisle or step out from the row you're in. And I want my uh, uh, Stevens ministers, my pastors, and our team just to come and be here at the front for just a moment. And as we start to sing together, I want to invite you just to step out and come and make a public declaration. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I'll be embarrassed. Listen, God's